Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hey everyone, real quick before we jump into the episode, go ahead and block off October 11th and 12th in your calendars for the third annual audit analytics conference. This is the only conference that's just audit and analytics with actual practitioners. So there's no sales pitches. There's no, well, this is why you should do it as opposed to this is how you should do it. So the goal for each speaker that we have come on is show us how to actually do something. We're going to make the registration announcement. Once it becomes available live, we'll make that on the show and continue to do that until the conference. So keep an eye out for that link also. But for now, again, block October 11th and 12th off in your calendars. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today, we are continuing our series of Beacon Award winners. These are the folks that are nominated by their peers and selected by the former president and CEO of the IIA, Richard Chambers, as thought leaders in the internal audit space. And today we have Jenitha John on the show, a winner from 2022. Jenitha is a former 2020-2021 chairman of the IIA. She also has over 28 years of experience as an executive and non-director. She's chaired multiple audit committees, risk committees, and many, many boards. And so you could see why she was selected as a thought leader in our space. Jenitha has also been leading the charge relative to ESG, so that's a large part of the conversation and her perspective on what internal audits should be doing relative to ESG and what they should not be doing relative to ESG. We talk about the biggest problem internal audit is facing right now and how it can be fixed. And if Jenitha was starting an internal audit department with an unlimited budget, how would she build it? The reason we've started asking that question is just so people can start to even imagine even just the possibilities of what we could do in internal audit. And then we also discuss if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and shake them, tell them, hey, just do this one thing, what would that be? And then a topic that is near and dear to Jennifer's heart on how to revitalize audit relationships. If you listen to the show probably even more than one episode, you know that we pound relationships into the ground uh, and the importance of those. So we definitely want to get our thoughts there. Relative to ESG, it's still obviously a super hot topic, and I think there's still some confusion or lack of clarity for internal auditors as far as what should we do, what should we not do, what's our role. And so you being especially an expert in the area, uh, both ESG and audit, what do you think? What should audit be doing relative to ESG? What should audit not be doing? And you could, we could probably spend, you know, a couple of hours just talking about that topic in and of itself. But if you summarize it high level, what's the one thing that we should be doing? What's the one thing we should not be doing? Okay. So there's a lot 
internal audit can do. And we know the definition of internal audit. It's providing independent assurance and consulting or advisory services to an organization. So for me, with where this journey had started way back in 2009, when I when I joined the bank as the chief audit executive, I actually started um, independently assuring information that was part of our integrated reporting in South Africa uh, around uh, non-financial key performance indicators. And so walking that journey, you need to understand that, you know, and at that time we had the emergence of the blended value proposition, knowing full well that economic value and social value actually work in concert with each other in organizations. And over time, what internal audit needs to take cognizance of is that there's heightened public interest. And we see it. We see it where the UN came out with the SDG goals and the 2030 agenda. We've seen the UN put out what is called a toolkit for government, governments to actually measure the adoption of by organizations and companies to support the SDG goals. We've seen regulatory frameworks, whether it's the SEC, whether it's in EU and the TFCD, You've seen investors and analyst communities actually incorporating sustainability into asset allocation decisions. And for me, internal auditors need to be commercially savvy. I still think we're best positioned to provide assurance on the key performance indicators, the non-financial key performance indicators. So where we can get involved is, is quite extensive. Like I said to you, it's assurance versus advisory. You know, um, many organizations are grappling with where do they start? How do they how do they actually understand what these different um, acronyms are in this in the space of ESG or sustainability reporting? So we can come in as auditors, and especially if we're familiar with this and we've, we've researched materials, we're passionate about the subject. We have an advisory role, and we play an assurance role. From an advisory perspective, if your organization is starting um, ESG and sustainability reporting, you can. The first thing an organization needs to do is to build a a materiality framework. So, what are the things that are going to be most useful or most value adding to your organization from the perspective of non-financial reporting? So, as auditors, you can offer advice on how you'd actually collate the materiality attributes in your organization. So that's the advisory part is how well you understand your industry and how you can help your organization shape the ESG indicators that they want to disclose. From an assurance perspective, you can test the integration and alignment of, of uh, ESG to the SDG goals itself. You can actually look at risk management practices in your organization of how you actually aggregate uh, the sustainability information. So what's very important is to understand that the information that you're going to put out there needs to be transparent, it needs to be traceable, and it needs to be auditable. So now when when you look at those, those three aspects, for me, it sits clearly on the shoulders of internal audit. Can you trace the information back to its source? Okay, Is it transparent enough? Does it actually hold when it comes to the information that your shareholders or stakeholders expect from you? And so, yes, there's a lot of ways that internal audit can get involved, both from an advisory and an assurance perspective. Um, testing compliance with regulations and standards out there, 
uh, testing the veracity of, of uh, the stakeholder engagements and needs, um, you know, providing advice on certain aspects. So it's really a, a, a great place to get involved. Like I said, your internal audit is best positioned because you know your organization. You is there the a right standing? Hmm? Is there a go-to resource? I feel like with ESG, if we just Googled it and went ESG for audit or ESG resources, there's going to be a ton that's going to pop up. Is there, for those that are listening, like, okay, I get it. ESG, we got to figure it out. I need to go to this place, you know, basically on the internet um, to learn more, know my role, et cetera, outside of what, what Jennifer just offered. Uh, nothing concrete at the moment. You do have the IIA that has put out some materials in terms of where internal audit needs to focus, but it doesn't go into the how, you know, how you build your portfolio of evidence, um, you know, the way places that you can get involved in. So lots of countries at the moment at the IIA uh, or national conferences, they've got key focus on ESG, specifically in the UAE, for example. Now they've got COP28 going into the UAE in November. Um, so they're focusing on ESG as a theme, but there's no specific um, site or source that I can tell you, okay. except for those materials that the IIA has put out. Um, but there's practitioners out there like myself who have got, you know, mountains of information that we can share. We're doing it through the ESG exchange. If you type the ESG exchange, where I now sit on the technical committee, we will be coming out with playbooks. I have okay. requested, we've got a governance playbook on the go, we've got a sustainability, we've got a legal playbook, we've got a biodiversity playbook. So we're busy putting these playbooks into place and hoping by December we will we will have a lot out there. And I am kind of hinting that we want an assurance playbook because yep. at the moment, internal auditors, it's difficult for internal auditors to go out there and offer the service without necessarily knowing where to start. Okay. Do I do it by Do I do assurance work? Okay. You said there's not like a go-to resource on the internet, but it sounds like you are the go-to resource on the internet. <laughs> I'd well, love to this way I can. So. Okay. We'll keep an eye out for uh, the playbooks in December then. I think that's going to be a great resource. Okay. And maybe it is ESG. Maybe it's not, but what do you, what do you feel like the biggest problem internal audits facing right now? How can it be fixed? Okay. So, so for me, it's not, you know, it's a, uh, we need a pause as a profession. It's like it's we need an inflection point where we where we try to understand that this evolving risk landscape, you know, the 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 velocity of the way risk is evolving in organizations, in industries, in economies, and the new buzzwords are emerging so quickly that as auditors, you know, whilst we're busy with one, there's another one, and we haven't even moved from the first one. And you know, so we're not agile enough to adapt to these new buzzwords. So when we talk cybersecurity, then we talk AI, then we talk RPA. Next thing we know, there's ESG that we have to contend with. And, and for me, what I believe the causes are in terms of why we're so slow, it's how commercially savvy enough, both practitioners and professionals and the profession both. You know, are we are we savvy enough? Do we perform adequate surveillance of emerging issues? Do we respond accordingly, or do we just build long-winded plans with milestones that we never actually get to meet? Dates that keep moving, 
And I find it very frustrating as auditors. We end up doing these things, whether it's new standards, IFRS, or whether it's GDPR, we tend to get so caught up in it that we miss the next thing that comes out. Would you say we're doing for these these areas, uh, these emerging areas, do you see that we're almost doing too much? Like, hey, we don't need to grill this thing from top to bottom. This is it. This is the highest risk within the highest risk piece of that. Let's go knock that thing out. We're not going to get full coverage. Exactly. Is, do you feel like, is that kind of... So you need to be able to sift out what's important for your organization and focus on that particular aspect. Again, I say to you, internal auditors cannot lead if their organizations are not leading in that space. Okay. Excellent. So, so, so it's important for us to be able to prioritize, calibrate our stakeholder expectations. There's another thing. So aside from us being slow, okay, we need to calibrate our stakeholder expectations. Make sure we align to our company's objectives and we exactly. move alongside that. We walk in parallel. We don't actually go and slip behind. So when I say calibrate stakeholder expectations, it, it's prioritize. Like you say, you cannot do everything in cyber. You cannot do everything in ESG. There'll be components. I mean, when I did ESG assurance, I signed off on the sustainability report, but there were areas where my team couldn't cover because we didn't have the technical knowledge. We didn't know how to look at carbon disclosure, for example. So we outsourced that service. So CAEs today have to be able to say, and I'll understand what's there in your talent vault and be able to say, okay, I need to outsource this. Or I need to co-source this. Don't be overwhelmed by the topic and try to do everything in that particular area. If you're a CAE and let's say you go, look, I get ESG, I understand the importance, but then the organization maybe collectively as a whole, or even there might even be a single person driving it goes, yeah, we don't really care that much. But how would you go about that going audit CAE we get it we know it's a big deal we know we need to look at it from this perspective versus the organization going we don't really care no so when I started in the bank that was the initial aspect you know we focus on our shareholder exclusively mm -hmm. to make money we need to bring out the earnings we need to bring out dividends so it, it was actually working with one other individual and the chief risk officer to get the buy-in of of top of the top uh, stakeholders in the organization. So partner. So up. if you can actually sell the value of ESG, the value proposition of of actually disclosing sustainability information, um, you know you will, your journey's done. And if you sell it to the top, it will then actually cascade to yep. the rest of the organization. So it's it's your knowledge and your ability to be able to sell the value proposition of actually attending to a particular aspect. It can be anything. Yeah. Cyber, for example. It's the merits that you've got to share because people want to actually know the benefits of doing something you know, before they embark on it. So like you always say, oh, for the cost of compliance and everybody shrugs their shoulders and sighs. You know? But you need to understand what would be the cost if you don't comply. Yeah. Okay? And how you articulate this in a, in a very eloquent manner to management and to your execs and non-executives makes the difference. Yeah, being able to sell, I think, is a important attribute for a CAE auditors in general, but CAEs um, as well. 
if you were going to build an audit department from scratch and you basically have to sell that to the executives and go, I need all this. This is what I want. This is what I have to have. What would that audit department look like? Okay. Uh, obviously, you're going to be constrained if you have uh, budgets in an organization. Let's example. assume you don't have a budget. I mean, it's unlimited. You can build it however. You, what's like your dream internal audit department? Like me, I would go, I'm going to hire like the best analysts, the best data yeah, engineers. Yeah. We're going to have the coolest tools in addition to the people and all that kind of stuff. But like we're going to have the latest and greatest tech is where I would. That's what makes kind of make, makes my brain happy and gets me excited is building it that way. How would you do it? So for me, it's on a similar vein, but you know, I say, wow, that's incredible. I mean, if you don't have budget restrictions, um, it's far from reality. We know that because right. auditors also face the constraints of the organization. Very so, impractical question. Very impractical question. But but from a starting perspective, the very first thing you have to do is to understand the risk profile of the organization you're working. Okay, call for documents, research the industry. Uh, engage with people, network with people, then move on to understanding your stakeholder expectations. Who are your stakeholders? You know, what do they see as the objectives and the goals of the organization? When do they want to attain the study, the strategic intent of the organization? So it's really for me those things. And then when you when you do those two important aspects, the next thing is to discern what's in your talent vault or your treasure chest. When I talk about your treasure chest, it's your people, your processes, and your tools, your technology. Okay, and if you're not, if you're not out there, then you need to actually look for, crowdsource the best talent, look for the best tools. When we look today, we look at people still using just electronic working papers, but there's data analytic tools out there, there's GRC tools that are out there, things that can make your works so much easier and more efficient. It's understanding the role of the three lines. Every single discipline in the three lines, and not only in, internally to the organization, externally to the organization, plays a critical part to how you uplift and enhance the value add of internal audit. So, so it's, it's about making sure you have that critical relationships in place, Okay, meaningful relationships, you have meaningful dialogues, you have the right tools and technology. Forget sampling, that's gone out the door. Okay, You've got to be able to look at the entire population of, of, of different streams that you're looking at in an organization. Whether it's credit, whether it's market risk, whether it's operational risk, you need to understand that domain to the best of your knowledge. So, you know, upskilling people doesn't mean putting them in training rooms and behind a lecture desk or whatever. It's it's actually giving them the tools, the enabling tools to get them to do their work the best. Uh, the important thing for me is about reward and recognition in a team. You want to ensure that your team is passionate. Your team is committed to do their best. So reward and recognition. And if you say, I've got an unlimited budget, the one thing that I used to do was I used to reward people for uh, the most efficient internal auditor, the most innovative internal auditor, the dazzling internal auditor, the inspirational leader. These were the things that I looked out for. And we had a team adjudicate over the year. And, and the annual winner of those three categories would get to go on an international conference the following year. You know? 
So that kept people in a competitive mode. It kept them passionate. It kept them wanting to do more. The reward and recognition is so important. So you can have these fancy tools, but if you don't have passionate people and tech-savvy people, people that are commercially aware, you're not going to go anywhere. Okay. Uh, developing AI and robotics, I mean, this is squarely in your field. What is it we can do in this space as auditors to create efficiencies in the way we audit? We used to speak about cats and, you know, um, <laughs> continuous monitoring, etc. But now with tools out there, you're able to do these things far more quicker, real time, and you can become a real proper value-add service to your organization. The other thing I would do is want to create an, what I would call an internal college in the organization. Because I believe, firmly believe, internal audit has, a, has so much of business intelligence. Right? We need to be able to share this, not just in an audit report, but we need to be able to network, share this with um, in executives, uh, non-executives, with people in the organization that are that sit across the different disciplines in the three lines. We've got to share that business intelligence. When topical issues emerge, go to your college and start talking about how this would impact internal controls. Does it mean your processes in the organization need to change? So I'd want to create that internal college, bring in people from outside to educate the organization. So I just feel that internal audit has such a wonderful stature in an organization, but we, we don't yet cultivate or harness that potential that we have. I like that you said sharing outside of the audit report and referring to that as business intelligence. Uh, recently, someone's take on the insights that we deliver are, if they kind of defined it, would be those that are outside of the report. You know, like, hey, I saw where this manager wasn't the greatest and they, you know, everybody that reports to this manager hates this person's guts and you don't put that in a report, but it's something that management wants to know. Um, and so that's kind of how I see that. What do you think about that take? Oh, that's excellent for me. It's, it's we, we don't just talk audit observations, but it's about sharing operational optimization okay. in an organization. So mine was, if you see, if you see project management being done well in one part of the organization, how can you leverage this to another part? You know, and and getting the, that those two departments together in a college type situation where you network and share. So it's a side. You know, people have. We we know it's human nature when you know an audit is happening, people cringe. You now, but yet if you have this this continuous networking going on within the organization, it's just a different role for internal audit. Um, lots and of merit. You might have hit on this a bit already, so if you have, we can move on. But a question that I like to ask guests often is, if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and say, "We like just do this, please, just do this one thing." What would that one thing be for you? So this is such a phenomenal profession we're in, you know. And what I will do is actually say to that person, embrace tact. T-A-C-T-T. Okay. I may have told you this before, but technology, agility, collaboration, talent, and tenacity. 
make sure that you're at your peak on those particular aspects in this profession. Uh, I'm glad you clarified the acronym because in my head I was like, you spelled that word wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to start over. I don't know if you know this, but you spelled that word wrong. Um, so I'm glad you clarified what that means. So that's great. Thank you. And for those that don't know, now you know how to spell tax, T-A-C-T. All right, perfect. <laughs> Something I've heard you talk about in the past is how to <clears throat> revitalize audit relationships. Again, that's that's something you you could probably spend you know the full hour on. But if there was kind of if we're almost sticking to this theme of one thing, what's the one thing that folks can do to revitalize those audit relationships? You know, I, I keep saying you need to understand, and I'm not punting for it, but the three lines model for me, you know, knowing who your internal stakeholders are, who your external stakeholders are, absolute and imperative, and meet with them not just in formal meetings, but outside of those formal meetings. Engage in meaningful dialogue. Demonstrate your wisdom. Not being a braggart, but somebody who can actually bring forward value add to an organization. Um, with regards to your audit committee, when I talked, I spoke now about stakeholders. With regard to your audit committee, I think pre-briefing sessions with your audit committee is key. Highlight to them where you believe there's this attention warranted on a particular aspect in the organization. Take advantage of your closed in-committee meetings that your audit committee has with you. Okay. And remember, internal audit doesn't only sit on an audit committee anymore. They're now actually represented, and you have a seat at the risk committee, you have a seat at the REM committee, you have a seat at the social and ethics committee. So your role is widening. You need to understand those stakeholders and their needs. Don't be afraid of doing an external QAR. It just it, it's going to be able to demonstrate your commitment to excellence, and and live by your report cards. Develop report cards that you send out biannually. Get the feedback around satisfaction, whether you're actually delivering on expectations, and follow up where there's negativity. Again, it just demonstrates your commitment to excellence. So your relationships, there's so much you need to do in terms of understanding who your stakeholders are, how you calibrate their expectations and prioritize their expectations. You need to know who your final recourse is because very often auditors uh, become very fearful, you know, in terms of loss of jobs, in terms of fear of their lives and victimization, et cetera, that they tend to just... Uh, become more subdued, but know your lines of recourse. And yeah, I always say to people, read the book by Patty Miller and Larry Ritzinger on the politics of internal yep. auditing. Okay. So it's yep. a lot about relationships. So that book, it's funny you said that. I, I don't know if you saw me smile like an idiot when you said that. There was, I was unaware of that book until a couple of months ago. And I was talking to a CAE years ago. He told me this or a couple of years ago, he told me this really good story about being called in on basically a Sunday morning and the CEO going, you can't audit that thing. You can't publish that report. Um, and the CAE going, well, I'm going to like, I have to, you know, um, and the, I don't want to ruin the story because we recorded his episode earlier this week. <laughs> so that's why it's even more top of mind. Um, so I won't ruin the rest of that story, but him telling me that is what ultimately led to, I was like, you got to share that with the audience. It's great. 
And in talking about that, he said uh, he recommended that book, The Politics of Internal Auditing. And we've been doing this whole series for 2023 on a lot of the what I was trying to get for 2023 through the podcast was how do you become a CAE? How do you work with the audit committee? Like what actually happens as a CAE so we can better prepare those that are, uh, want to be a CAE or about to become a C cause there's no book, you know, there's tons of books on how to be a CEO, COO, et cetera, really nothing, um, there, but that book politics of, of internal audit is probably the closest thing to a book. And the, one of the takeaways I had was, yeah, that job's not super easy. When you see the stats of how many times um, somebody in the C-suite has either weaponized internal audit, hey, I want you to go audit this, you know, the expenses for the CFO because I need you to find something so I have calls to fire them. Or no, you cannot audit that thing. Or no, you can't, do not publish that finding. You can't do that. Uh, was pretty, I don't know if intimidating is the right word, but eye-opening how often that can happen. So that's why I kind of lit up when you mentioned that book. I'm going to drop that link to the book in the show notes. It is, it's a relatively short read too, uh, maybe like five or six hours, if that. So highly recommend that book. Sorry for my, my tangent there, that's but okay. I'm, I'm, I'm actually one of the case studies in the book. <laughs> oh, really? Are you mentioned by name? I don't remember that. They, they don't actually mention name. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, the minute they say to you, a CAE in Africa. Yeah. That's your book. <laughs> I'm one of the case studies in the book as well. All right. I'll have to go back and look at my highlights and see uh, see where that was then. Mine was a, a situation around a governance committee not allowing me to speak at a meeting. How did you handle and, that? And yeah, and so I articulated how I handled that. And I okay. had mine make a mine and I went to the chairman of the board. I wrote a letter to the chairman of the board and he had to mediate a session between the chairman of the audit, audit committee and myself. And let me tell you, my audit committee chairman and I ended up having such a wonderful relationship thereafter. He even says to me today, to this day, he's based in Washington, by the day, by the way. He was retired now, but he keeps saying to me, and he always sends me a wish on my birthday, and he says, remember, iron sharpens iron. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I wish, the, I wish the names were in there. I'd love to get everybody's individual stories um, like that, so I appreciate you sharing that. That helps. All right. Well, I can definitely see why Richard um, noted you as a 2022 Beacon Award winner and a thought leader. That was there's a lot of really good takeaways uh, from what we just talked about in that limited time. And so, if you could, with your fantastic thought leadership, what what thoughts uh, would you like to leave the listeners with? So yeah, I'm going to get very personal because I live my life by three mottos. Uh, persistence pays profits. Competence builds confidence. And use your setbacks as setups for success. Okay. So, so as we all know, life is a remarkable journey. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have opportunities. It's, it's, it's this tapestry that's, you know, woven together with moments of joy, moments of sadness, growth and change. You've got to be able to embrace the beauty of all of it because you learn. You learn from your setbacks, okay? Um, and you've got to keep your eye focused on your dreams. So important for me, persistence pays profits doesn't mean just in monetary terms, but the gratification, the self-gratification you feel when you finally achieve something. It's overwhelming. It feels great. It's joyful. 
competence builds confidence, something I learned. Trent, when I was in school, I was the shy girl with pigtails and bobby socks, somebody who could never deliver a speech, couldn't take part in debates. And, and you know, I, I actually got over that. I got over that by the fact that you have to be competent. You have to educate yourself. You have to learn. And I keep saying learning not behind a desk all the time. It's putting yourself in a challenging situation and growing from it. The more competent you are, the more confident you become in expressing your views and opinions. Setbacks, use your setbacks. We're all going to have bumps in the road. We're all going to have to navigate difficult terrains. Oh my, I've had my fair share. Uh, you know, I've sat on organizations where they've gone through corporate failure, they've gone through business rescue, and I've had tremendous learning that has come from it. Um, so really, it's it's you know, it's 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 those things. It's it's look look out for those things that are going to define your character as an individual. And you've got to have you've got to be able to cultivate gratitude for the pleasures that you have, cherish relationships that you have. I mean. Me today, like I said to you, I'm sitting here, my family is away, but I couldn't leave my 16-year-old pet, my Maltese poodle, because I am so worried that she's so old and something may happen to her. I don't want to leave her with anybody. You know? So it's those things are the pleasures in life that you need to cherish. So that's what I would like to leave the audience with. It's know very well that we've got to persist. We've got to be competent. We've got to learn how to be confident. And we've got to use our setbacks as setups and appreciate and cherish the relationships that you have in there. It'll go a long way to keeping you happy. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.